The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? So when I talk about that and people get so scared, and even for the people that do have to go because they have like schizophrenia or whatever their mental health issues are, I want to normalize that. I don't feel like it's something to be ashamed of. Honestly, no, it saved your life. Be, yeah, it's not something to be proud saved of. Saved your life. Hell yes, it did. Honestly, I don't think it's not something not to be proud of. Like rehab saved my fucking life. It changed the trajectory of my life. I would not be here today had I not had to take care of my mental health and my addiction issues. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Sid Wilder. If you guys follow along with me on Instagram, then you know it's been somewhat of a brutal week. Unfortunately, I lost two people um, that I know um, in the past week, which is one is hard enough, but two feels devastating And not only that, but once again, an unarmed black man was gunned down in Wisconsin um, by police in front of his children. And I don't know if, no, it's not. I was about to say, I don't know if it's because I'm an empath that I just feel these things so heavily. But the truth is, that if we're in touch with our humanity and with our spirituality, we can't not feel the weight of what is happening in our country and globally, this massive shift that right now feels really dark and really, really heavy. So... That's just kind of where I'm at this week. You know, I'm so grateful that I'm not afraid to feel my feelings and that I'm not afraid to be here feeling a bit sad and depressed, to be honest. So, yeah, I want to jump right into this episode with Sid. And we kind of do because um, we recorded this in the studio many, many months ago, pre-COVID. And I really adore Sydney. If you guys have not listened to her, to me on her podcast, Girl Interrupted, you should. Um, And what I love about Sid is that she is such a badass. She's a, I guess you'd classify her as a sex worker, but she talks about mental health a lot. She does not shy away from that on her Instagram, which I love. And she's really putting herself out there and saying like, hey, you might like me for this picture or this video, but like you need to see all of the parts of me 
which I think is just so vulnerable and so badass. In this episode, we're diving into her experience with eating disorder. We're talking about um, abusive relationships and recovering from, you know, being in a relationship with someone who's a narcissist. Um, The turmoil of getting cheated on and the recovery that follows with that. And, you know, alternatives to chemical intervention for mental health issues. So we're really covering a lot. And so I'll keep it short. With that, here is Sid Wilder. I was 5150 in 2016 because I was going through a really, really bad divorce. I was in a really abusive relationship and it was really hard for me to leave. And I hopped into one abusive relationship to another because I wasn't in the right state of mind and I got married really fast. I can get to that later in the story. I was feeling like a fraud because I had built this kind of sexy image and this hot girl vibe. Yeah. And and I think for a lot of people, I had Brie Olson on the podcast and she was amazing. But she goes, we have to, in our industry, in the porn industry, damaged isn't sexy. And so we're just told to like, you know, if you've got issues, shut up about it. Yeah, unless the guys are into that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> some of them are. You'd be surprised. But, um, but yeah, I just felt not authentic to who I was because I knew I've overcome a lot of struggles, very similar to yours, actually. And I just couldn't do it anymore. I just felt so fake. Like, you already have to pretend as an actor when you're on set. I didn't want to continue to do that in my social media world and in my real life. Yeah. So, and, and even in my real life, it was really hard at that time because I only told a select group of people what was going on with me. And a few people knew, but from the outside, it just looked like everything was going together. I lived up in the hills. You know, I had everything you could possibly imagine. And yeah, it was all a lie. Yeah. And, yeah. and that inauthenticity... I love Brene Brown. I know I talk about her every episode, but in her book where she talks about the power of vulnerability, it's like that's freedom. That That's freedom when we're able to say like, no, I'm struggling too and this is my truth. Yeah. You know, and that we don't have to be freaking perfect all the time. That doesn't mean that we're not strong. Yeah. Um, it actually means we're super strong because overcoming a 5150 experience or addiction or domestic violence or whatever it means just means that you're like a fucking warrior. Thank you. And uh, to go on that, because since we we're headed there, um, the reason I ended up in that place is so my stepfather committed suicide in 2012. I was in the next room. Mm. And then three weeks prior to that, my grandfather died. He was obviously older. He had a stroke, but he hit his head and the blood thinners he was on just like put all the yeah. blood in his brain. So um, that was a lot. And then I turned 22 like nine days later. Um, so that was a lot to take in. So instead of getting a dog or a tattoo, I got married within so, one year of that. <laughs> but to clarify, so going way, way back to your childhood, would you say that overall your childhood was normal? Fuck no. No. Girl, I moved to L.A. when I was 16. Yeah. Like, there's nothing normal about that. From Georgia to L.A. at 16, it was yeah. a big culture shock. And I was also coming back and forth. My first time out to L.A., I was actually on the Dr. Phil show. And okay. the first, it was the first season. <laughs> the first episode was called Kids in Wait because I was bulimic. And it was, it's so embarrassing looking back at it now because it's like, oh my gosh, that little girl with all that pain. And that pain, a lot of that pain always stays with you, even though you can heal it and you can cope and find ways to, you know, work around it or work through it, depending on the day. It's always with you. 
So this is a mission that is near and dear to my heart. If you're listening to this podcast, then you know that I am in recovery. And addiction right now is an epidemic that is rocking our country. Clean Cause is on a mission to support recovery in America. They're doing that by giving 50% of their profits to support individuals in recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. That's pretty epic if you ask me. Clean Cause Beverages are organic, sparkling yerba mate containing 160 milligrams of better caffeine. Clean Cause drinks provide a smooth sailing pick-me-up and sustained energy without the crash or the jitters. It's great for keeping focused at work, boosting your workouts, or keeping up with the kids. They're available in eight super refreshing, low and no calorie, low and no sugar flavors, including blackberry, watermelon, mint, peach, and cherry lime. Clean Cause is available nationwide at Whole Foods on Amazon and at cleancause.com. To date, Clean has granted over 1,500 sober living scholarships representing more than $750,000. I am just so passionate about this. I love a company that is giving back and that is not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. Right now, you can support Clean Cause and take 20% off your next purchase by visiting cleancause.com using code REALITY. Every purchase makes a big difference in support of addiction recovery. Again, that is 20% off your next purchase at cleancause.com using the code REALITY at checkout. Hi, I'm Pia Berengini, the creative director of LPA, an entrepreneur, a wife, and a dog mom based in Los Angeles. This is my new podcast, Everything is the Best, where we basically ask interesting people, how did you go from zero to yacht? I'm always curious how the hell people became successful, and I figured you would be too. Get on the internet with me. Let's laugh, let's cry, let's overshare, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Check out new episodes every Wednesday. It's all for you, baby. Thanks for listening. Love you, mean it. I had, um, I don't know if this is going to go out before his episode, but I had Luke's story on the podcast and, and, uh, I love him. He's on my podcast. I love him. And we dove into early childhood sexual trauma. And I said, I don't know if it's something that you ever, that ever really leaves you. It's like a scar that's healed, but it's still there. And he goes, well, you know, and so he went into like how he's actually like getting rid of the scar. And I was like, Okay, we got to talk further (laughs) Um, because I'm super interested in learning more because I've felt the same way that while we can emotionally heal through trauma therapy and through doing things that we love that bring us joy through Reiki, emotional freedom technique, tapping, getting down to our subconscious belief systems, all of these things are great, but I still get triggered here and there. Like even when my husband said something to me this morning, I was like, you know what? Oh, that like hit me right in my pain point, yeah. you know, and I, and I knew where it was and I was like, that's a wound mm-hmm. and it hurts. Yeah. Are you able to differentiate when it's like not about him and it's your stuff? Uh, usually pretty fast. Yeah. Um, I'm really lucky and happy to say that we rarely ever fight. We don't fight very often. Um, but when we do, it's usually my fault (laughs) (laughs) because he's like a fucking Buddhist stoic. Like there's like nothing shakes him. He's like such a badass. Uh, but I will say that, yeah, like 
usually pretty quickly. Like sometimes not right away, but sometimes I'm like, okay, that sucked and I reacted because I was triggered because of this. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you have the perfect partner for, for everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, there there are no accidents. And even when we don't have a great partner, it's a teachable moment, right? Which is exactly what you went through. But okay, going yeah. all the way back. So you moved to L.A. when you were 16. Yeah. You were dealing with eating disorder, mm-hmm. going back and forth between Georgia and L.A. Yeah. And then I officially moved out here. got my first car out here. I've been in the business since I was—I was a country singer in Georgia. And that's how I kind of got into the entertainment industry. And I was actually offered a record deal in Nashville, and uh, the guy was actually sexually molesting me. And so that's why everything kind of crumbled apart. But the Hollywood story yeah. is. <laughs> Wait, but did the bulimia transpire after the abuse? No, my dad no, would make that's fun a of me lot of, all the time. Um, Trauma. <laughs> that's a lot. Usually, like, when there's sexual abuse, eating disorders can occur pretty quickly after that. Huh. But you're saying it had happened before. Yeah, my dad would make fun of me all the time and call me Bertha and say that I broke the toilet seat. He would pinch my fat rolls, you know, things like that. So that just kind of made me very self-conscious. And so I remember, like, throwing up on the front porch in Georgia, like, after we just had spaghetti. Like, I remember, like, throwing all of Like, it was just, like, so bad. And I was just doing that because I wanted my dad to love me. I wanted his approval. And that's so fucked up. Looking back at it, it's so fucked up. But my dad, when you're, you know, grown adult, you can look at your parents and go, okay, they obviously didn't make the right parenting choices. And you you look at them and see them for who they are. And he's a narcissist. I love him. I have to accept him for who he is. I can't expect to have this wonderful dad that's always going to be there for me. But, you know, he's my dad. And I i mean, he's the only fucking one that's still alive. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, this is like what I have to fucking deal with. So um, looking back at it, that's just who my dad is. That's what he would say to anybody. And he thinks it's funny, but it's not. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes we have to just acknowledge the fact that we're not going to get the apology that we need. Yeah. And that and that's where I talk a lot about like the reparenting work is that we don't necessarily always need those apologies and we can still heal even without them. True. Do you know what made me not be bulimic anymore? Hmm. Are you ready? Okay. Lipo. <laughs> Really? <laughs> it's the only fucking thing I could keep from my divorce. Wow. Yeah, my body. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. It really helped, though. Like, it helped my self-esteem. It helped my self-confidence. I know it's, like, really not, expensive. I, you know what? But again, I am not against uh, plastic surgery. I've had plenty of it. I think we need to stop shaming women who opt to have it. Um, and as long as you own it. And as long as you realize that the way that our bodies look don't equate to our worth. But if we feel better in in our body because it's healthy and whatever, then great. Yeah. And now, obviously, I do appreciate my health from many different perspectives because, like, having autoimmune issues. Yes, you have autoimmune disease. Yeah, so I I really respect taking care of my body. It's nice to me when I'm nice to it. You know, when you nourish it, it nourishes you back. So there's a bigger incentive now than just, like, looking pretty for Instagram. Yeah, definitely. So after you—so you moved out here and you dealt with the trauma of those two deaths and then you jumped into your marriage and uh, as a way to kind of cope or to not—to numb out or not focus on the pain? Yeah. Um, 
and uh, getting back because you were sexually molested too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I was raped by a guy and a girl like right after all of that happened in Georgia, mm-hmm. and then so like I was already not the best. You know, I didn't have a lot of things going for me. That's when I moved something out here. that uh, I want to pause there for a second because that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. And I was actually in a similar situation. It was with a girlfriend and her boyfriend, and I was very drunk. Yeah, and I was um occasionally the girlfriend of mine and I would hook up. Right. For everybody who doesn't know this, I've been by like my whole life. Oh cool. Um so if you if you missed that episode where we dove <laughs> into you know, that. It bothers me when people are so obsessed with labels on it now. Yeah. Queer by whatever yeah. whatever the fuck you are just I just be it. liked this girl and we used to hook up, but her boyfriend came into it and they had planned it. Um, and he proceeded to like sexually abuse me. So, um, he didn't rape me, but you know, pretty much everything else. And it was bad. No, 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 no. But I think that a lot of times people think, oh, women, you know, they don't see women as perpetrators, but it was very much so a planned, um, they invited me over. We all got really drunk. Um, you know, she invited me upstairs and I said, yeah. And there was a couple of other people at the house and yeah, they had planned for, for him to come in and wow, yeah, it was horrible. So that I feel like that happens to me. Uh, this happened to me so many times in LA that it's like I'd have to be so careful with anyone I associate with. You know what I mean? Or if I know I'm going out, I kind of expect that that's going to happen. And I know that's like such a horrible reality to have, but that's just I feel like that's kind of LA. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of people here are a little bit more open to that. Yeah, and that's fine to each of their own, but all parties need to be able to consent. And in that case, uh, there was no consenting on my end. So you guys know that I've been talking about Saqqara for a while now. And now that my kids are being homeschooled, my life is busier than ever. And I am so, so grateful for an incredible meal delivery service. If you're looking to change your diet, instead of restricting what you eat, what if you nourish your body with the healthiest and most nutritious foods? With Saqqara, you're putting the best in your body so you can feel your best. Their organic ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients, and they are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. The menu of created chef-crafted breakfasts, lunch, and dinners changes weekly, so you'll never get bored, and it's delivered fresh anywhere in the U.S. Along with delicious meals, Saqqara also has daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition needs. To boost your results, try the best-selling Metabolism Superpower, an all-natural remedy for bloating, weight gain, and fatigue. I personally love Saqqara. I am not plant-based, but I eat a lot of plants. So Saqqara makes my life so much easier by delivering delicious meals straight to my door. And the only meal prepping that I have to do for the week is cooking up a little bit of salmon and chicken to add to my salads. Right now, Saqqara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to saqqara.com slash reality or enter code reality at checkout. That's Saqqara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash reality to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash reality. So your relationship, your first marriage. 
Yeah. Uh, I like how you said first. Like, I'm going to have another one. Oh, mm-hmm. I thought that you'd had two. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. No. No, girl, one. Uh, Just no. one. Okay. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> I have some limits, okay? okay? <laughs> uh, they're, they're not a lot, but they're there. So my first marriage. So yeah, so I was going on and off with this guy who I was madly in love with. He's also deceased. He was run over by a train in 2015 in January. And I was madly in love with him, but he just couldn't keep his dick in his pants. So I was just like, you know what? I'm throwing in the towel. My grandfather just died. My stepfather just died. I met this guy. Like, So I broke up with him in June of 2013. And in August of 2013, I met my ex-husband. And then I got married in December. We got engaged in October 2013. And uh, for really romantic reasons, tax purposes, he wanted to get it before the end of the year. And then he was like, okay, um, or I'm 23. Like, what the? I was like, all right. Went to the Beverly Hills Hotel, got married in a bungalow. It was so awkward. My mom got wasted because she hadn't seen my dad. Oh, Jesus. Oh, it was so embarrassing. She sounded like a drowning cat in the main (laughs) bathroom at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And then my other sister, I'm like, are you going to help me? My other sister does porn. But she doesn't think that she does porn because she only works with women. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and then I have another sister who's a casting director who won't put me in anything. It's like a lot. But um, yeah, so the porn one, the the oldest one that's the casting director, she didn't come because she didn't want to see my dad because he abused her but my middle sister came only fucking thing she was good for was doing cocaine in the bathroom and she had fucking this people whining like in and out this is literally my wedding yes oh my god my husband's best friend is fucking my one sister my other sister smoking weed in front of the other sister who just got out of rehab my mom is drunk I go to show up to my in quotes bachelorette party but they're all shit faced in the hot tub we're not going anywhere oh. I mean they were out on a yacht getting wasted until like 4pm my wedding was at 530 I oh was like gosh. so everyone showed up to my wedding sunburnt drunk but like the drunk like the gross drunk like you've been drunk all day and you like still reek of booze yeah. oh my god it was a fucking shit show oh that's exactly it was so beautiful was. and magical and i you know but it was like can we get it together please? yeah yeah i know yeah that's what i was like we have a lot of like parallels yes. in our lives for sure and my mom's cell phone was stolen so all the pictures from like you know your daughter's day it's all gone but it's you know all for the best uh- <laughs> <laughs> see ya yeah um so obviously that happened really fast. So I didn't know that I was, I didn't know anything about narcissism. I didn't know that that was a thing. I had no idea. So I married a malignant covert narcissist. So what had happened when you're with someone like that, they mirror you. So all of your dreams, all of your hopes, all of your desires become theirs. Whatever you want, they want. And I thought it was like meant to be. I thought it was like true love, even though he was 57 and I was 23. I obviously have daddy issues. I don't give a fuck. I own them. I'm not like, oh my God, I'm perfect. I'm like, no, I'm fucked up. We're all a little fucked up. Okay. It's how you handle it. But I really thought that this was going to be it for me. Like I was really planning that because I did love him very, very much. And I thought that we were all in the same wavelength. And then about six months into the marriage, I found out that he was having an affair with a porn star, of course. There's so many porn people that are, like, go in and out of my life. It's ridiculous. I swear to you. Um, And everyone thinks I'm in porn. And then they say, like, do porn or die on a lot of my comments on YouTube. Or at least they used to when I was, like, posting on the reg. But anyway, so (laughs) I think I clocked in with my ex because we went to therapy for that. I think I probably clocked in. I don't even know how many hundreds— of hours of therapy that I clocked in. And by the way, my first episode of Girl Interrupted is with our couples therapist. And she backs me up like 100%. So I'm not some like, I'm not trying to mudsling. Like this is literally what happens to me. And I want to help other women. And I want to like 
have people be more aware of what the signs are dealing with a narcissist because you don't know. You just think that you're so in love and then all the chemicals and oxytocin and dopamine from falling in love just make you so excited and happy. And then that happens. And like my whole world, like every time I had a heartbreak or a realization, because at the very end, he really enjoyed fucking with me. Like my pussy turned into the Grinch. That's how, that was the tip off of like how I started. Well, I didn't initially do it. My mom hired a private investigator and then everything slowly unraveled and I wanted to save it and I held on for dear life. And it's kind of like that meme where you like hold on to something for too long and it keeps hurting you and you finally just have to like let go. But um, I kept having to go to the doctor because I kept getting bacterial infections and I didn't know what was wrong with me because I wasn't screwing around outside the marriage. I, I, If anything would have happened to my pussy, it would have been prior to when I got married because I was a hoe, okay? Like, I don't even give a fuck. I was a hoe. But during my marriage, I thought, oh, this is great, you know? But he, he was cheating on me with not only the porn star, he had another mistress that got a job at his job who had four kids from four different guys. He, he put both of them through rehab, I think, like six times. Uh, he was taking care of both of them fully. And then he was also seeing street hookers. But he wasn't a sex addict. <laughs> That's what Of course not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was never a sex addict. No. My, my, or a couple of therapists actually took him to um, sex and uh, love addiction. addiction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, I don't think I need to do this. The SRI is what it's called. It's Sexual Recovery Institute. They no longer have it. But at that time, that was the big thing to do. And, uh, yeah, he's like, I don't, I don't need to do this. I'm like, What? And you go through, like, shock, and it, you, it's really hard for you to understand that this is, like, happening to you, at least for me. For anyone that's been cheated on, you know, it doesn't matter, like, how severe it is. It still hurts. And it's hard to process, especially when you think you've built—that's what's so funny when I hear, oh, you got this big Instagram following. Oh, you do this, you do that. The pain of still having that. Yeah. You know? Quick pause from this week's episode. And can I ask you guys to take a collective deep breath with me? When was the last time that you did that? 2020 has certainly been a lot and we could all benefit from less stress and more sleep in our lives. It's so important to take care of ourselves and to invest in our well-being during these times of heightened anxiety. That's why I'm so excited to partner with Calm, the app designed to help ease your stress and get the best night sleep of your life. When you relieve anxiety and improve your sleep, you feel better. Calm has a whole library of programs designed for healthy sleep, like soundscapes, guided meditations, and over a hundred sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Stephen Fry, Kelly Rowland, and Laura Dern. Over 85 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds and get better sleep. I personally love the Calm app. If you guys are new to meditation, I highly suggest using guided meditations to get you through that beginning stage. Any of you can go to calm.com forward slash reality right now and you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming. Get the Calm app and experience the transformation in the way that you sleep. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com 
forward slash reality. That's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library and new content is added every week. Get started today at calm.com forward slash reality. That's calm.com forward slash reality. You know, it still stays with you. And yeah. um, did you at least get a settlement? Bitch, no. Oh, I got fucking nothing. Fuck. I got nothing. That's the dumbest thing, too. I fucking represented myself for a little bit. Oh. I was so, like, there was no prenup. So, like, he drug it out for three years. I was only married two. Okay. I can't wait for this to, like, not even be, like, a burden or an issue in my life. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to teach you emotional freedom technique tapping because it's going to fucking change your life. I, We're going to do it after this. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Or we'll meet and yeah. go through it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's going to help. Thanks, girl. I appreciate that. But yeah, I just, if more people could see the red flags, How to Spot a Dangerous Man is one of my favorite books. I wish I would have read that before I got married. Have you ever read it? No. Probably not because you married a good one. But (laughs) it's so funny. Like, have you ever seen that meme of Michelle Obama, like, listening to some bitch? I don't know who it is. But she's just like, I don't have those problems. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've had plenty of toxic relationships. (laughs) I guarantee you that. Uh, Oh, my God. Yes. I feel like that's a whole younger 20 things thing to do too like you date the wrong people yeah except for me it was like 16 to 18 and this really it was so toxic and so chaotic to the point where he was a drug dealer and then I started dealing drugs for him because you know I want he couldn't go to jail one more time and oh my god like all of the chaos yeah no I've been there can't believe that. And your mom, like, was just, like, was she worried about you or, like, what Oh, the my mom had given up hope at that point. Yeah. Like, there was no hope for me. I think she tried her best, but no. Sometimes parents have to do that in order to, like, move forward. Like, sometimes, like, I know with my sister, because she's got a drug problem, I think, I'm pretty sure she does, like, meth every day, the porn one. Um, she's got all the marks on her and everything, mm. and she's very erratic. And, I mean, there's all the signs that are there, you know, and she's been doing drugs and dating drug dealers on and off her entire life. But— at some point, you have to go. They have to go to jail. Something has to happen to them where they have like an aha moment. And you kind of have to like release. I think the it's. Ha- I think it's hard uh, as a parent now. I'm like, well, what would I do? My mom works with parents uh, who have addicted children. I think back in the day when it was just mainly alcohol and cocaine and things like that, it was kind of like, oh, okay, we'll set up iron cloud boundaries and cut them off and da 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 da. And the traditional Al-Anon model really worked. But when it comes to hair. Heroin, cutting someone off can mean letting them die because overdose is so easy. And so I think it's really easy to say that to somebody. But, like, if your kid's addicted to heroin, they're, you know, letting them bottom usually means dying. And so it's like a real—we're in a situation right now with this opiate crisis where it's really fucking hard to know the right things to do. And I think that my mom also was just dealing with so much of her own chaos. She's like, I can't—like, I couldn't be there for you because I was dealing with shit in my own marriage, which was her third marriage, Um, (laughs) in her— own chaos like she had no idea how to help me you know yeah Yeah, completely yeah that's what scares me about being like a mom now you know I would Mm -hmm. never want to be a mom right now like that's just so scary to me like it's it's a big job and I take it seriously it's a big job and our children really are mirrors for us in the sense that like everything that's undealt with from your childhood just is right there in front of your fucking face once you have kids like all of the shit you need to work with it's like oh here it is you know high school I feel like starts right over again and like Mm. you know with your kids and all the other moms and it's like it never ends does it I just, ah, 
no thanks. Like, not, no, I'm not saying no. You know, I'm around babies all the time with my mom because my mom, you know, does the whole baby nurse thing. But I just can't. I love babies. And I, I think kids are so fun and I'm great with them. But I, like, don't want that responsibility right now. My wigs are a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Um, so after the marriage. Yeah. That's when your mental health really started to take a deep dive. I, yeah, well, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer and that was a big shock. And of course, like I was so, I was gaslit so much in my marriage that I wasn't in my right state of mind. I was like, oh my gosh, wait, did he really cheat? Did he not really cheat? Even though you have the evidence right in front of you. I was just so unbelievably confused. And I was obviously in a situation where, I mean, he wasn't a baller. He wasn't like, the reason I actually... Like, one of the many things that I fell in love with was that he wasn't some really wealthy, like, billionaire-type guy that could try to control me because I've dated plenty of those guys. I'm like, I'm not a piece of fucking property. So I thought, okay, he had money, but it wasn't, like, a crazy amount of money. And people are saying this, like, oh, my God, you sound like a rich, whatever, entitled bitch. But he had three kids. I was a grandmother. (laughs) Um, You know, he had responsibilities. He still took care of all them and then all the other sluts on the side. So (laughs) it wasn't like he was, like, rolling deep or anything. But I was in a financial position where I had to take care of myself and I like lived off my savings. And then my ex-boyfriend swooped in and he started taking care of me too, which is the worst thing I could say that I allowed in my life. But I was like kind of in a very vulnerable position. You were in survival mode. Yeah. And he ended up fucking my sister. Mm. Yeah. And he was also married and he hid it from me for like four years and he had four kids. Yeah. So that, I found out all of that on top of the cancer. And then I just had cancer surgery. And then I found out my sister kissed the porn star that my ex was taking care of the entire marriage at the Avian Awards or whatever. Like, I didn't even know that until some stupid wrestler sent me a link and I, that I didn't even know. And so all of that was just, and then add like a lot of drugs that weren't prescribed to me and like alcohol and all of that. It was like, you know, disaster. And so that's how I ended up in a 5150, which I think most people would under those conditions. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I'm having a bad day. You know, it was like, no, I think that a lot of bad days. I think it's a number of things. I think for one, um, not many of us have like the necessary, first of all, trauma at the root of all of it is like trauma, trauma, trauma layered on top of trauma. And the next thing is, um, not having the tools and to deal with the trauma, like therapy is great. And I think, you know, working through your marriage is great, but there was like so much more to work through. You know what I mean? I wasn't even going to therapy for my issues. I was going to therapy for his. his. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And so that in combination with that, and then the additional stress that was just transpiring. And it's honestly like, no surprise that that is the outcome. So when I talk about that and people get so scared, and even for the people that do have to go because they have like schizophrenia or whatever their mental health issues are, I want to normalize that. I don't feel like it's something to be ashamed of. Honestly, it saved your life. Yeah, it's not something to be proud of. Saved your life. Hell yes, it did. Honestly, I don't think it's not something not to be proud of. Like rehab saved my fucking life. It changed the trajectory of my life. I would not be here today had I not had to take care of my 
my mental health and my addiction issues. Right. I went to rehab for a few days just just to get away from my ex. <laughs> I thought it would be like a vacation, but it turns out it it's wasn't. Not. <laughs> no. It's like, let's do a deep dive into all of your fucking problems. No, they right wanted now. to put me on drugs. Oh. And they took me off all of the stuff that I've been on. Yeah. So Adderall. And at the time, I actually got introduced to Lunesta when I was there, which has been great. But um, I was taking Xanax, which is one of the drugs I was taking with like Oxy and all these other things. Um, I quit the Oxy because my cousin died. And that was like a big deal. But um, from that, and then the Xanax, I didn't realize how much it affects your brain. And so I just completely quit taking it. I do like deep breathing and I work through stress that way. I don't like rely on a pill, but I do need Again, to these sleep. are like the, the tools, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was so funny when I checked in, girl. I don't remember the name of the rehab. If I do, I'll like <laughs> tell you like off camera because I don't even want to fucking give them any press. But dying, being born, and going to rehab are the three most vulnerable positions any human can be in and 100%. everyone takes advantage of you in those positions financially yeah. they try to fucking rip you apart i think that that's why when my husband and i started aloe we wanted to use a con compassionate care model and um and we really have been kind of leaders in this movement of of compassion and not control and about um you know client-centered treatment and I think that it's really important. Um, but yeah, I mean, the and the financial part of it is brutal. And the the biggest problem is that if your overhead is over a million dollars a month, then unless you have a top paying PPO that's just gonna roll it out for you, then the cost, you know, like it's like a cost thing. And the state also kind of fucks people because you can only have six patients in each house. So if you've got a million dollar overhead every month and you can only treat however many people, then you're screwed. So we really do need to take a look at that. And that's a whole nother conversation about the industry, where it's going, how we can better support people. What we're working on right now is going in network and also uh, offering uh, out of network treatment. That's a whole nother issue. But yeah, it's fucking brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. And a lot of these places charge you $50,000 a month for AA. And that drives me nuts too. It's like AA is supposed to be free. Narcotics Anonymous is supposed to be free. Why are we charging people when you're taking them to three meetings a day? It's ridiculous. it's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't understand it, but it's the business, you know? <sighs> yeah, they like to cash in. <laughs> so the reason I started my um, my podcast was one of, like, my coping techniques because I was dealing with the divorce. I was in that. That's when I was like, I'm going to be Elwood's, but for divorce, you know? I was like, well, because I, I was running out of money, too, and I was like, okay, wait, do I want money to live on or do I want to pay another attorney who's not going to do shit for me? And ironically, uh, Mike Gatto, shout out, he was the third attorney that I hired because I finally, I was losing my hair. That's when everything started happening with my autoimmune issues. And I was like, shit, what the fuck am I going to do? And try dating too at that time, bitch. It was like, oh my God, it was such a mess. But I did have some, I did meet someone that was kind of fun for the time. <laughs> yeah, obviously no one lasted throughout that hot bitch mess phase of my life. But um, when I was going through all of that, I was like, you know what I'm going to do for my birthday, 2018? I'm going to start a podcast. And that's how Girl Interrupted started. Because like, you know, I started the first episode with my therapist, which I expanded on for anyone that's going through any suicidal thoughts, check out the Rebirth Anniversary series. It's like, I just spill my soul and tell, like, the story and everything, like, in depth. And it's interesting, too. I'm sure this happens to you as a podcaster. You've, tell, you've told this 
and an author, you've told so many stories the same time over and over and over again. When you go on a different podcast, you're like, okay, wait, which parts am I going to tell? Yeah. And then some days you're like, you know what? I'm in the mood to be sassy today. I'm going to like tell it like this. And then some people are like, how dare you talk about such a sensitive topic in such a light way. story. Get out of here. Let me talk about it the way that I want. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of part of the healing too is like sometimes I am having a harder day and it's harder to talk about this shit. And sometimes I'm like light and breezy, baby. Light and fucking breezy. Yeah. And some days I'm super sarcastic and yeah. seem like really cold. But it is what it is. You know, you, you have to be true to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So you started the podcast and um, that brings us back full circle to what I was saying in the beginning, though. Like, and I don't want to underestimate or to not talk about that because there are a lot of people who would have your following in the platform that you did, which I'm assuming is probably a predominantly male audience to start talking about suicide and mental health is like, you know, a risk to lose followers and income streams and whatever else. Yeah. And to me, it was worth it because I just was, I was so, I was drowning, girl, in my Mm -hmm. pain with the divorce, having to relive. Every time I went to court, it fucked me up so bad. Every time I had to see him, every time I had to interact with him. You talk about, like, flares with PTSD. It was, like, gnarly. So, And then I had to go act and be, like, four other people and go audition. Like, it I was like, who the fuck am I? I don't even know who the fuck I am. Um, It was really hard, but— To me, if I didn't say something, because September is also suicide prevention awareness. My stepfather killed himself September 17th. My birthday is in September, so it's always a reminder that I'm still alive. It was was just the perfect storm of, like, I have to do this. If I don't do this, what the fuck is—why do I have a voice in this business? I didn't work so hard just so I can show my tits that are going to be sagging in, like, what, like, 20 years or whatever. Yeah. Or like, you know what I mean? Probably have a couple new sets by then. Yeah. But, you know, I actually need to get a new set right now because they're so— <laughs> I got my tits at 15. It's, like, so fucked up. I stole my I mom's car. I thought they car. were supposed to be forever, like, like these new ones. Girl, I got these in 2005. Okay. Well, maybe. <laughs> I still want waterbed titties. Um, I don't want to, like, go to the whole gel thing. I'm worried about that. But, yeah, so I was like, if I don't— if I don't make this happen, I don't talk about it, then— my voice is useless. Yeah. On the platform. So I was, yeah. it was worth risking and losing whatever. Because they're not real fans. If they just want you for that, I'll age out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm always going to be me. And of course, I'm going to change and evolve. But that is just one part of me. If you mm-hmm. can't appreciate everything that I have to offer, then I don't want you anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's really how I feel, too. I feel like, you know, my life is messy and complicated and beautiful and magical and, like, all of the things. And, you know, I I was talking to my husband about this, and he said something that I thought was so profound. I was, like, in the depths of my despair and depression uh, several years ago. And my husband says to me, he goes, Alexis, when we go up there, wherever it is, when we die, everything's stagnant. There's no highs and lows. And you're going to be dying to get back down here to experience, like, the thrill that is life. And while I don't think it has to be challenging, and the more and more that I'm working on a spiritual practice, I'm like, oh, this that's not so hard anymore. Um, I still have lows, but the lows aren't so low, and they're not so hard. You right. know what I mean? And, and it's because I have the tools and the spiritual practice and a foundation and all of these things now. And so you can get there, but I think that it is interesting. It's like, yeah, when when all is said and done, we're going to be, we would be like dying to get back down here to like experience 
all of this, you know, crazy, messy, beautiful life. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world, even though the lows are lows and and challenging and scary. And, like, obviously, you're a comedian, you're funny, like, you're we're making light of a lot of these situations. It's it's hard, but I wouldn't trade it. No, and if, if you can't look back and laugh, you're going to fucking cry. And it's okay to do both. But if you can laugh more than you can cry, I'd definitely choose that. Yeah. And yeah. get good Botox. <laughs> if that's your thing. <laughs> if that's your thing. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Where can everybody find you? Thank you for having me. You can find me, Sid Wilder, on Instagram without a lot of clothes on. And then for my podcast, <laughs> Girl Interrupted, also on Instagram, very sex positive, body positive. And uh, check out my podcast, Girl Interrupted, on anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yes. It's great. And I've been a guest. So if you want to hear an interview with me, you can head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you guys listen to your podcast and uh, probably just type in my name and it should come up like in the search that um, for Girl Interrupted. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks, girl. This week's affirmation is I am allowed to take the time that I need to heal. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at Recovering From Reality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com. 